thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com you're listening to the john dipetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com it's monday january 23rd now it looks like we're actually going to have a little bit of a messy snowy day not too crazy but this afternoon there's actually going to be some snow around so be careful especially could kids get out a little bit earlier looks like a potentially a little bit of snow tonight now we haven't had any which then suddenly makes people oh wait a minute that's right but it's right around noontime this afternoon again it it's kind of a wet snow, but then as the afternoon goes along, it could be heavy and so into the early uh, hours. But it's, you know, it's um, it's not a lot. It's not a blizzard. Everyone should just chill out a little bit. And everyone should make it okay. But that's normally, as we know, that's just that's just not the way things are. All right, so it's Monday. Well, this... Um, this business of the Biden documents, it's certainly not going to go away. It's getting worse over the course of the weekend. How about that? DOJ, FBI, searching the home of a sitting president. I love how the um, the individuals um, try to say that, well, you know, he cooperated <laughs> with it as if that makes any difference let's listen to uh good morning america miri bruce has a good piece on the biden An unprecedented move the fbi friday searching the home of a sitting president and while the white house is making Saturday. it clear this was voluntary and coordinated there is no question this is a big development in this investigation and a sign that this saga is likely far from over this morning, mounting questions after even more classified documents were discovered at President Biden's home, found by the FBI during a nearly 13-hour search, combing through decades' worth of the president's files, old schedules, even handwritten notes and to-do lists, searching all working, living, and storage spaces of Biden's Wilmington residents. It's unclear how many additional documents were found. Biden's lawyers describing six items with classified markings, some dating back to his time in the Senate, oh. as well as his time as vice president. The Justice Department also taking some of those handwritten notes to review further. There was no warrant or surprise. The search planned. Biden's team saying they offered the Justice Department access to the home. But even some Democrats are now expressing concern about the slow drip of discoveries. Let's be honest about it. Uh, when that information is found, it diminishes uh, the stature of any person who is in possession of it because it's not supposed to happen. But it has happened four times now. Biden's lawyer first discovered classified documents in November at his post-vice presidency office in Washington. One month later, they discovered more at his Wilmington home before finding six more pages in total in January. 
Why did he have these? Who did he show them to? Biden's team has previously said the documents were inadvertently misplaced, describing it as a mistake. Biden saying he has no regrets that they didn't disclose their discovery wow. sooner. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this result quickly. No regrets. Fine. There's nothing there. But a new ABC News Ipsos poll found even before the FBI search, a majority of Americans say Biden acted inappropriately. 64%. It's going to now, 70. there are still a lot of unanswered questions here. The most immediate one probably just, are there any more documents out there, or is this it? And this morning, guys, the White House Counsel's Office isn't ruling out the possibility that the FBI could also search Biden's beach home in Delaware. <laughs> oh, my good. Go back to the Senate. Now, again, let's uh, the White House press briefing today. That definitely should be... Um, mandatory i mean that first of all she shouldn't be there she's way in overhead that jean pierre she's been saying nope that was it it's complete it's obviously not complete i mean this is a joke at this point but it number one it certainly helps without question president trump at the same token are there, are there other senators that have these classified documents i mean it's just one of those things that how how is this happening and his reaction to it is going to make it even worse he's going to be uh somewhere around you know 75 percent uh disapproval rating let me hear this is the uh today show piece on it Five documents were discovered at his home in Delaware. The latest batch during a rare FBI search of a sitting president's home. Wow. NBC senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell has the details and some reaction as well. Hey, Kelly, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. The White House is unable to provide a specific description of the total items removed. How many pages, what kinds of documents, and what level of classification are we dealing with here? But they do emphasize the president is fully cooperating and invited the Department of Justice to go room by room through his house. New questions about more secret government papers found inside the Biden's Delaware home after a stunning weekend announcement that the FBI spent 13 hours Friday pouring oh, Friday. over the private residence of the Saturday. sitting president. A rare step the White House called voluntary and not the result of a search warrant. He's not res resisting an investigation. He's not stonewalling. He's offering total cooperation with the Justice Department as this proceeds. In a statement, the president's personal lawyer explained the Department of Justice removed six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials dating back to Mr. Biden's service in the Senate oh and as goodness. vice president. Wow. Friday's search marks the fifth time since November that sensitive materials were discovered at a location tied to the president. On Thursday, in California, before this search, the president spoke about the investigation. Here we go. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm oh, following what terrible. the lawyers have told what? me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. But some Democrats urged the Mansion. president to acknowledge mistakes were made. You just might as well say, listen, it's irresponsible. It was something we should have had a better check and balance on. While House Republicans with oversight powers oh, yeah. turn up pressure. Yep. The special counsel is going to have to deal with the issue of what was the chain of custody? Who had these? Why right. did he take them to begin with? Yes. 
And Kelly, this is coming as the president is making a change at the top of his team. What Ron can you tell Plain us? Is out. How about well, that? So in the coming weeks, the president is expected to name a new chief of staff, wow. the most powerful role on his team. Jeff Zients, who you may recall served as the COVID response coordinator early on, he'll return as chief of staff, according to multiple sources. And Ron Klain, a longtime Biden loyalist, is expected to continue supporting the president from the outside of the White House as 2024 heats up. Total, total disaster. White House press briefing today, though. That should certainly be interesting to watch. Again, it's a messy Monday. Listen, I'm I'm not saying it's treacherous, but later this afternoon, there's just going to be some problems on the roads because of the snow. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508 252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for a segment Politics this week. Joining us, he's the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, I'd like to start off. We'll uh, go through Governor McKee, his big state of the state, and some of his budget budget items. But something to me that is, um, it's I think it shows real insight is to the real limited capabilities of both the governor and his staff, and that is that governor had been hinting about big. Uh, tax cuts and making things more tax friendly, and then he makes the big announcement. Rhode Island is an outlier with sales tax, with the highest in New England at seven percent. Massachusetts, Connecticut, closer to six. And the governor comes out and says, almost enthusiastically, actually, that he uh, wants to propose to lower it to six point eight five percent. I wish I was in the conference room when that was coming out. But anyhow, I'd like to start off by hearing some of your thoughts on that. Well, I, I think that that actually you, you put your finger right on one of the key problems we have in Rhode Island uh, with our politics and their economy and so on. He's looking at this as all Rhode Island politicians do as a sort of a, a handout, right? When it, we're going to give you uh, 0.15 off your sales tax and that adds up to whatever, uh, 100 million for every, across the state. So like, at most 100 bucks for everybody who lives here. Um, which is, is pretty ludicrous. That's not the way you want to look at tax policy. What you have to look at is how it affects the overall economy. No business is going to open because the sales tax reduced by 0.15%. That's just not why you would do that policy. But I think it really gets to how they think. It's, all right, so I have to shore up my 
my taxpayer uh, support. So let me let me redo let me give them something. And that's how all politics operates in Rhode Island. And that's why we're in the condition it is. Um, when we looked at when I was with the Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity, and we used an economic model to estimate uh, the effects of different tax policies. We looked specifically at this question and we we recommended getting rid of the sales tax altogether. Uh, but the the sweet spot that we found was a three percent sales tax was where you would make you would boost the economy and make back a lot of the money because the economy was was boosting you would have more income tax and so on and so forth that was kind of the sweet spot so in my mind unless you're going to three percent there's no reason even talking about it it's just you know it's nice it's a it's like another gimme you might as well treat us like you know this is the taxpayer group this is the labor union these are the environmentalists, the taxpayers get their 0.15%. It's just, it's just a silly way to, to go about policy. Again, I, I don't have a great analogy for it, but Justin, what's hard to fathom, just shows me noticed there was no, it doesn't sound like uh, that there was any business leader that was, that was in the room with them and, and, you know, that he would have mentioned and, you know, did the whole thing. Why don't you stand up and take a bow that they were behind this. There's, there was no, obviously, there's no reaction from the, quote, greater Providence Chamber of Commerce, not that they're effective. But to me, it just illustrated that and it's kind of what you and I have been saying is that I just don't think they, they don't have a clue of what would be important to business, what would really move the needle. Uh, to me, this is not a group. It, it's just kind of reminiscent of you've seen the, the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, you know, was playing Billy Bean and he's in the room with the scouts and he realizes that they all just think the same thing. They all say the same thing, but no one really knows what the problem is of how they're going to identify what the problem is. And I think that really illustrates it, that the first thing they think about is how is that going to impact spending because of the lack of revenue? They don't think about how it could benefit A, the businesses or B, the consumers. Right. There's no there's no guiding philosophy. It's it's the no. they they want to give out as much as they can to get support while shoring up the spending. And I think really the problem is, I mean, a lot of I have a feeling it wouldn't take them long to understand the problems and what businesses need. But those those solutions are all off the table. <laughs> they're just right. it's across the board, education, economy. They're the, the solutions are off the table because they affect other special interests. And it, we're just not going to do it. We're not going to take the risk of reducing the sales tax to three percent or lower we're not going to do that because what what might happen if we don't get that revenue then we won't be able to give the labor unions their piece of the pie we won't be able to buy off the progressives with this that or the other thing uh, that and the, all these insiders we've spent all these decades cultivating as a in giving them no choice but to go along with whatever we want we we might start to lose them if we can't buy them off and frankly that's that's characterized mckee's candidacy as we've discussed many times he just he bought his way into the state house this oh, time yeah. around and so that it's just right there. You you can't give away the money you're using to buy votes, and that's that's just how they think about it. There's no no philosophy at all behind it. You know, notice and again, folks, our segment is politics this week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, and especially this comes on the heels of, I mean, record six hundred million dollars surplus. And just so people understand, that means we're clearly way overtaxed. Uh, no one, no, nothing even floated of sending money back. No one thinks that, gee, maybe we should even cut the workforce. Maybe we should do less spending. Um, I don't want to spend too much time with it, but I'm just curious your 
thoughts also on on his on his budget and what he regards as should be priorities you know with this budget uh would would he views it it's really um it's really a shame that we have someone uh, as inept as this governor in charge at a time when there is so much money and you could truly make impact in the direction of the state um but just the rest of his budget there's there's nothing that talks about making the state more business friendly uh competitive we'll get to the education thing in a moment but anything stand out uh to you from the rest of his state of the state or his budget no, no nothing stands out and i think that that's the problem there, there's really right. no vision you could tell this was built from the politics backwards right? yeah. okay who are all the interest groups how do i say something that pleases them it was it was completely an empty speech it was just um, name some people to make it seem human i name a bunch of minuscule policies a few policy priorities that i know are politically popular with certain groups Bing, bing, bing. It's our turn. All right. See you later. And he delivers it. He always looks annoyed to be wherever he is, it seems to me. And so there's, yeah, there's and that's just in keeping because maybe he knows that, that he's just giving dry pabble of that, that nobody's really going to take seriously. It's just, yeah, there's there's nothing really to talk about because he doesn't he doesn't attack any. He doesn't have a vision or a strategy or it's just play the game by our votes. Yeah. And, and the thing that is not said is I think. I think he realizes, as you say, he needs all that surplus money because now he's got to fulfill all these campaign promises that are very expensive that are about to come due. Now, I am curious, uh, Justin, to hear your thought on it was State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, who's the minority leader in the Senate. And she was chosen to give the, um, you know, the Republican response to Governor McKee. It was it was Blake Filippi last year. And he, you know, really did a great job. It's unfortunate that the local media doesn't pick up on the fact that, you know, I remember clearly last year, people were like, wow, who is that? And can I vote for him for governor? And I, I think if the local media does anything, they don't give enough of a voice to the Republican Party, anyone that speaks the opposite. Uh, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on minority leader Jessica De La Cruz that gave the, the you know, the response to the, the McKee state of the state. Well, she, her, simply her her presence and and presentation do and the lack of coverage of it, and they do expose the hypocrisy or the the the, the scam, the the illusion that the media cares about a lot of these women's rights and and minorities versus you know white male McKee from 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 a privileged background. They that's all just lip service. They 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 need to ignore the Republican because that's just the story they tell. Uh, but as far as her speech, I, I thought it was I thought it was good. I think she hit on some good themes but yeah. what's really striking me between McKee's speech and hers and then some other issues I think some of which we'll talk about geez, it's the Republicans are being pulled into this Democrat game so it's, it wasn't there was no really no strong contrary vision so much it was right. on sales tax we should go to five percent you know it's just the, it's just negotiating and we'll, we'll give you a little bit more of a, a moderate conservative view and that might be the end policy you end up with but i don't think it's the it's where you where you want to start i think they they really need to start going after the the what the real problems are and, and offer the conflicting vision because you know i'm noticing that the, the democrats and and progressives they really less and less even are 
talking about what they believe and what they want for the future because they can't because that would get them that would get them out of office right away. They can't tell you what they're where they're headed. And I think that's where Republicans have an opportunity that they keep missing. But if they're going to if they're going to try to say, yeah, we'll just do things a little better. You know, they don't as a party, not Jessica, but as a party, they don't really have credibility for that because they're not in power. They haven't been in power for a long time and they don't have any shining person who everybody goes, yeah, that's a credible person who could run the state um, single-handedly if need be. You know, they, so they, I think that they're making a mistake by, by trying to do that, that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit more. We'll focus a little more on business. We'll, we'll give a little more choice as our education solution. That kind of negotiation, I think, is not where these speeches need to be at this point. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today. Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren, take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, I want to just stay with that just for a moment. I think it's interesting that you investigated it in Let's just talk about New England. New Hampshire's at 0% uh, any type of sales tax. Massachusetts, Connecticut, right around 6, 6-something. Six Rhode Island is the outlier, highest in New England at 7. So when you looked at it, did a study, 3% is the sweet spot. You know, that that's amazing because that would be half of Connecticut and Mass. All right, so it's at least would make a second to New Hampshire. But when you think about it, <clears throat> that could certainly spark – certainly the people on our edges, Massachusetts and Connecticut, for that type of savings, um, it would be explored. I, I, I want to stay with the Jessica De La, Senator Jessica De La Cruz, because I think, you know, some of the things she, she did say that the money should go back to people. And I, I agree with that. But what's also missing is, is number one, like really going farther and maybe even mentioning the fact of the, the 3%. But number two, what was also missing was you didn't hear the business community come out and say, boy, that's really the, you know, the type of tone and policy that the state needs. Yeah, well, there, there, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, for one thing, I mean, we found this when we were advocating for reducing the sales tax. We were shocked. Even even businesses like Benny's were not who would directly benefit from this. You know, people flocking to their stores because the right. sales tax was a seven percent discount. Right? They they were not. They didn't want to play because they know. You know, even even I think I forget which one it was somebody from one of the chambers of commerce was on the sales tax commission. We managed to get formed in the legislature and said it would be a death blow to the state. And he was representing business. They are just wow. people. 
people representing that's when i really realized that uh these business chambers and all these business groups they don't represent the business community to the government they're not advocating for the business community they know that they are the people the government has chosen to go out to the business community as their representatives and that's where they're getting their fortunes and a lot of it they filter through nonprofits that do education supposedly and all this stuff but they those individual people don't want to mess up their good thing the thing that gets them on the committees and gets them good appointments and jobs and stuff like that so that's you're, you're not going to see that and i and it's it's disappointing but I, I don't think you ever will but we we did look at it the, the because rhode island is basically a border county all around it uh you you know you need to you can that's the opportunity of the sales taxes you can draw people in and if you collect a little bit of that then you make up back a lot of the money that you've given up that's right yes. business it's just it was just, it just when you look when i looked at it it was just how could you not do this it's just because they're it's just because they're scared basically but i think to the to your point about jessica's speech you know three percent five percent that's less of less important to me than the fact that she didn't really articulate what it was, the difference in approach. And I think right. that's where, that's what has to be, because first of all, that's more inspiring, but that's really the problem. We're, they're not looking at these policies like they care about you. They're looking at it like they want to buy you. And you know, yes. that kind of thing, they need to make that point and get people thinking in those terms, not, oh, I could save 3% on my purchases. No, that, I mean, that's, people don't really care about that. You know, you get coupons all the time for 10, 20, 30%, 7% sales tax doesn't seem like a giant discount. But when you talk about what it could do when you're really focusing on the people and, and growing our economy so that there's opportunity here and your children can stay, they don't have to move to another state because there are no jobs here they, or they can't afford housing, all this stuff. That's the conversation that needs to happen. But it's never, the, we, we just, on our side, just get drawn into that, that debate over minuscule stuff like a 0.15% reduction in the sales tax. You know, it's funny, Justin, I did speak to someone at the state house and I talked about 600 million uh, as far as, and she said some of that money should be returned to, you know, the, the people that paid it, all the taxpayers. So even if it's every Rhode Island family is going to get, you know, that paid taxes is going to get $1,000 back or 2000, whatever it's going to be. And uh, this person pointed out, said, you got to understand when governor McKee is sitting there in a room with, all, all of his people and everything they're all the state workers they all got the three thousand dollar bonuses so every, it doesn't even come up because everyone's sitting in the room they they did get money back from that so they don't think of like hey wait a minute there were people that are not you know state employees that they didn't get the money we should extend it to them it doesn't go that far i want to ask you about <clears throat> providence city council I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the whole thing with uh, the court in Providence thing and uh, Judge Cabral, but I do know, I want to follow up on the fact, it really just seems politics to me that John Lombardi got enough people behind the scenes kind of push him out because he wanted to be the, the chief judge. But um, I want to go back to, it was on social media, you put, all right, he's now the chief judge. So when does he resign from his seat as a rep? And, and seemingly for whatever reason that never comes up into the conversation of anyone that's covering the story or anyone that's commenting on the story. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very, it's kind of similar in, in some regards to what we're talking about. Everybody's focuses on the politics and he got this position over this person and that and the other thing. Well, what, let's go back to just basic understanding of how this ought to work. There's just something, and I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent saying it's wrong. It's unethical, but there's just something that feels off about a state rep 
also being the chief judge of the yeah. capital city. There's, it's just something I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but, but when you're negotiating with this guy for legislation or whatever, and you're, you're his constituent at the same time, you might, you might have to go before him for a traffic ticket or whatever yeah. it might be. I just, it, there's just something that doesn't seem right there. And it, that's where I, it seems like we ought to be having the conversation. And instead we get into as we discussed last week, talked about the ethics commission and, and judge Caprio and his TV show. And, you know, th- that's not really what the ethics commission ought to be about. In my view, we ought to be having these conversations. And it's a, another area where the, the news media just drops the ball that there's no investigation of why is this, or is this not, how can we decide whether it is ethical for a state rep to be a judge? Uh, and it, just nobody knows. And, and that's, that's really, really a shame. We're poorly served by that news media. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny just because, I mean, I've known John Lombardi for over 20 years. He was on the city council. He was the head of the city council president. He then was mayor temporarily for a short period of time when uh, when Buddy Cianci and when Cianci, you know, was convicted, had to leave the office. I actually did a broadcast from his office. So he was the mayor and uh, the mayor is the city of Providence. But but no one thinks about what you just mentioned, and that is. See, it's the, the, the name of the game is favors. And the name of the game is, you know, when you can call in a favor, whether it's for a vote or something like that. When you put someone like that in a position where then a constituent or another rep, ideally, is calling and saying, hey, you know, my cousin, my brother, whoever, they got nailed on this parking ticket. They have a problem. And, you know, the reaction is, yeah, sure, I can help them out. But what they don't realize is there's, you know, there's strings attached to that. And there's there's going to be a day that that favor gets called in. Um, and he doesn't miss a beat. There was that rep, if you remember, I think it was two, Rep Tubin, I believe, the, one of them that got jammed up and actually had to be bailed out. And it was it was Representative John Lombardi that came and bailed him out. And when he said, hey, what do I owe you? His response was, ah, just take me out to dinner sometime. Well, it's more going to be that at some point he's going to come to you and say, hey, I <clears throat> I need your vote on this. And you owe them a favor. It's all about accumulating favors, uh, keeping track of favors, quote, the ability to do someone a favor. What it really is, is to me, it's abuse of the system. But um, you're, you're right. And think of the more that he's the chief judge, he's got a lot of sway. All of those reps, state senators, they do business in Providence. They were in Providence a lot because of the state house, then going out to, you know, lunches and dinners around there. So the the possibility that, in fact, they may get a parking ticket certainly, you know, exceeds tremendously simply by the nature of how much time they spend in the city. Well, not only that, but a lot of them are lawyers. Right? So, yes. So you, you, you get to the point where it's like, you know, yes. they, they you can't catch this in a campaign finance report. Would you catch in campaign finance reports are, are the mom or the their dad who who thought they'd run for school committee then forgot to pay their to file their right. forms and end up with a six thousand dollar fee because they didn't check the mail or they didn't understand what they were seeing. That's who gets caught up in campaign finance. You don't get the rep who says, "Okay, John, I will vote for everything you ever have, but when my clients are in front of you, you take right. it off." That's yeah. they and they can translate that. They can sell that. They can they can when they have potential clients, they can say, "Well, you know, I'm good friends with the chief judge. Uh, I I vote on a lot of his legislation." Hank, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, I, I've got an in with this judge. That's the kind of stuff that just, 
I mean, maybe as a rank and file judge, because there's somebody higher you could appeal to. I, I still am uncomfortable with that, but something about the chief judge being able to just get down in the mud with the, these kind of negotiations. And maybe Lombardi won't because he's a stand-up guy. I don't know. But the we, we can't rely on people being stand-up guys. That's right. not how – that's our entire government in the United States is set up to assume that people are not going to be stand-up guys. And so that's – we just need to look a little more closely at that and not, not fall into these traps. Folks, again, we're going to take a quick break. Our segment, Politics This Week, with me, Justin Katz, managing editor, AnchorRising.com, right here on The John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 480-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build. Enjoy. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me, Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, I think uh, this year, if people will kind of pull back the curtain that RIPTA could provide a lot of time, uh, to me, it's a ticking time bomb. There's so much going on behind the scenes there high-paying jobs, people not showing up, really dysfunctional. And uh, they're in the news now because of a a lobbying fee that they're now going to pay to the law firm of former mayor um, Alan Fung, who just ran laws for Congress. Scott Evadesian, he's, uh, they're friendly, you know, was the mayor of Warwick. And uh, people are starting to make waves about this lobbying fee that, uh, that ripped a is, is going to pay the Fung firm. And I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. You know, uh, it, these, the government paying using taxpayer money to lobby is, is wrong, I think, generally, all across the board. So I, I th- just to put that on the table, I think the, the situation is ludicrous. But if we're, if we're zooming in on Rhode Island, to me, the only reason this is an issue is Fung's Republican and Avedesian's Republican. Right. That sets off the journalists' little anti-Republican lights, the alarms. Oh, they're both Republicans, which is unique and interesting. So they must both, they're both in that same little club that I don't like. So this must be a problem. That's really it. And then, and then you add in the fact that our, our, our buddy uh, from the formerly of the NEA, Pat Crowley, is on the board of RIPTA and is somehow involved in this story. It makes you wonder, well, maybe he noticed this and he floated it to Kathy Gregg at the Province Journal, who happens sure. to be represented by his union, just to note that. Uh, that I think it just feels like, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, the, the whole situation is messed up and it shouldn't be done. But the only reason it's making any headlines at this point is because 
it's two Republicans involved. And, you know, actually, that's that's really the biggest threat, I think, to Democrats at all in a state is if Republicans start to be able to help out their friends with state job, government jobs like that, because then that they the Democrats no longer have that monopoly. And you can start to get to where somebody runs for office, doesn't get it. So they get a job in this agency. And they, then after that, they're bored with that or something drives them out. They get a job in this nonprofit that's aligned with the government. And then they get run for office again and they get that. That's the Democrat pipeline. That's what keeps them in line. That's what keeps them unified and not fighting each other and working together and, and looking thinking of their themselves as in a career uh, pol- politics. And I think they, the Democrats can't let Republicans build anything like that. And so they've got to pounce whenever this stuff comes up. Yeah, it, it, it also, it comes down to, um, I, I don't know how much, uh, you know, how much, why it, it wasn't an issue when Ripter was even granted like a lobbying budget. So, uh, but I think there's going to be more to that as people start to go uh, under with, with Ripter a little bit. Justin, I also want to get your thought on Governor McKee. This, you know, keeps driving this narrative that we're going to be matching Massachusetts in education by 2030. <laughs> yeah, it, it's they they say that they have no plan, they have no idea. And again, it's like we said before the the reason they have no plan is because they just you, the real solution is off the table. They're not going to go after the teachers union. That's the only solution possible. And that's what Massachusetts basically did by implementing strong, uh, strong testing. They were among the first to do that. And then also the, the idea that schools could go out of business if they weren't, if the kids weren't testing well, uh, that was, that was really, a, that changed things. And it's, it, I have a feeling we may be matching, matching Massachusetts in the not too distant future because when Deval Patrick was in there, he he undermined a lot of the reforms in favor of the teachers union. But uh, so we, they, we may match them because they fall. But there, there's just no real talk about uh, how to do it. And I think to me, the crystallizing, the thing that really makes that absolutely clear that the, the people in charge are not going to go after this was an article by Dan McGowan, Boston Globe. Dan, you know, I, he's, I, I know him a little bit. He's got a good heart and I'm sure his head's in the right place uh, as well. But he's talking about how kids, Rhode Island kids count in a united way, both pretty, at this point, pretty progressive activist groups are take, filling in the gaps and how to they do this and how they're, they're going after racial disparities. But the, the glaring thing that, that gives the whole game away, the biggest disparity, the most the most telling and, and dangerous problem we face in education, at least as far as that sort of way of looking at it, is between boys and girls. Boys do so much worse. There's, this gap is the biggest gap in education in Rhode Island. It cuts across races. Everybody, even the majority of white people in the state are affected by this. That is, that is the real problem. And they don't even mention it. I mean, I've gone through R.I. Kids' book count books in the past and out of say two dozen pictures there'll be one white boy in the background of a picture now i don't i don't necessarily care if that's the way it happened but you're talking about what at least 25 percent of this all students and it's they're underrepresented it just it, it just shows the problem in perspective and that they're not actually trying to solve problems because the solutions are off the table they want to focus on race they want to focus on budgets and that's not going to do it and there's just no way what they'll do is they'll come up with something maybe they'll put a measure on it maybe they won't but if the, they do put a measure on it and it doesn't start to show benefits they'll just change the measure in two years and that's what they've done for 20 years so yeah i'm not optimistic get your kids out of public schools in rhode island is my advice you know because it, it's uh it's interesting justin i mean just because someone like we're gonna match massachusetts that I, I don't even think that's a realistic goal. I mean, are they saying that because they're number one? Are they saying that because they're next door? 
uh, it, it, to just say that it, there's so many ways that it could improve. But you're right. I don't I don't think anything is going to improve, in fact, uh, un- until it's like they just won't acknowledge what the problem is. I also want to get your thoughts on, you know, you and I talk about Uprise and that Alquist. And I mean, he's really an activist uh, and, and it's incredible how sometimes people describe him as a journalist. But, you know, he immediately was taking to social media uh, someone that that uh, was sleeping on some of the state land in Woodsocket that they cleared out, apparently, you know, passed away over the weekend. And what's incredible is how quickly they start blaming the mayor in and the governor. So this this there's this notion out there of, oh, you should let people, you know, sleep out in the tents and. So many of these people, for instance, it wasn't freezing over the weekend. You don't have below uh, zero temperatures. The, these people, many of them, they have drug abuse problems. When the when the, the the tents were at the Rhode Island State House, they were finding needles around. And so, eventually, if something fatally happens to them, there's reasons why they don't want to go into the shelters because you can't bring some drugs like that into a shelter. And and we already kind of saw that with the Cranston Street Armory. You know, they let them in there and it's it's a disaster. They're, you know, defecating in the shower. The bathroom's a mess. People are passing out. They're, they're living like like slobs. But just this notion of what your thought that somehow our elected officials are to blame if someone that has a substance abuse problem uh, ends up losing their life and somehow by kicking them off city property or state property, it, it then falls on. Well, you know, that's now the fault of the mayor or the governor. Yeah, it's 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 completely inverted. <laughs> the, the and it goes to I mean, I I, I don't think Steve Alquist is is one of the scheming progressives. I think he's one of the kind of the duped progressives who actually believes this stuff and he leads with his heart, so to speak, and doesn't think things through. But you, when you when you get into where you're allowing tents and you're saying, yeah, people they ought to be able to live on public land, you're inviting more not less right. of these problems because you're first you're you're making it easier for people to fall into that life and second you're you're not you're making it harder to identify the people who actually have a problem so if you've got a whole tent city and say 50% of people who are they, they don't mind it and it's a cheap way to live and whatever they're they're just doing it and they don't have or they don't have any money or enough money and they're just it's a temporary thing even so among that group there are going to be some who are on, they have health problems, they have drug problems, they have psychological problems, and they're able to blend into this kind of tent city now because you're allowing the tent city. When If you were forcing those other people, the 50% to do something else, then it would be easier to spot the people who have real problems and, and homelessness would be a way to identify people who have problems, not this, I don't know, this thing where they throw out, oh, it's, it's our fault, they don't have homes. So I think that's the problem. You, they've created this situation where you actually get more of what you what you don't want, and and you also create this situation where you can't have an intelligent conversation because if somebody dies because they have these problems, you get the blame because you didn't do what the progressives wanted, and that's what it comes down to. They they always know the right answer. The right answer is always to do whatever they say, and I can change whatever they're being told by the people they trust. That's the solution. We got to give more money. We got to do this. We got to open up this. We have to have these these sheds that look like little houses. Got to and if you don't do that, you're killing people. That's their kind of tagline, and it it is ridiculous. And it'd be nice if if we could be governed by people who are grown up enough to start saying, yeah, all right, we appreciate your input, but let us handle this. Just uh, also, finally, there was the mass shooting in Los Angeles uh, outside of L.A. on Saturday night. 
personal right first of all i could immediately tell when you heard it was an asian community i don't care there was some people rooting that maybe it would be you know somebody with a red make america great again had a young male so nope it turns out 72 year old man 72 year old man asian and he was the one that apparently went in well governor mckee put out oh you know another example of gun violence thoughts and prayers with the lunar new year you know, Justin, he can't have any impact on what goes out there. But we had, I go back to last year, it started off the year of 2022. You had two young high school students that were essentially killed by people uh, that, that were, you know, impaired uh, from, from alcohol or drugs. And, and that is something that he could have impact on as far as the roads making it tougher for drunk driving. Governor McKee now, that seems to be his mantra. Anytime now there's going to be any type of shooting, he's going to move towards the gun violence and then try to tighten Rhode Island's guns laws even more. Yeah, it's just so disingenuous. I mean, it's just it it's, it's entirely from politics, right? This is OK. This is what people on my side are saying. This is what I have to say. Make sure we get that tweet out. Get that tweet out. We got to we got to. And, and his commentary kind of I mean, it. Uh, my, I, I tweeted about it. And it was kind of sloppy, and uh, regret that a little bit. But something about the way he does it just is off-putting. It's the the Lunar New Year is a time for, to be with family, you know. And just well, what? Wait a second. First yeah. of all, when did we start having to call it the Lunar New Year? Wasn't it Chinese New Year? Not that like like two years right. ago. I can't keep up with this stuff, and we're all supposed to know what it means. But then the idea that it's it's kind of like. We all know, oh, it's a Lunar New Year and we're supposed to be with friends. And just uh, there's something about it kind of like any any way to get in and, and tweak those emotions. It's just kind of icky. And, and, and this is not just McKee. He's just sloppy at it. But but the, the Democrats, and especially and progressives in particular, that's just how they oh grab everything that we can make this a heartrending story and pretend it's a big deal. We'll, we'll reference the Lunar New Year because I guess, I don't know, you're not allowed to say Chinese New Year anymore. I, who knows? But this, you can't actually get to the nub of problems. It's all about politics. And the, the size of these stories always depends on who the who the perpetrator is. If it's a, if it's that white guy with the mask, then oh, this is the biggest story in the universe. Oh, it turns out it was a, a progressive wacko Democrat guy who's a minority. Okay. Well, that'll, they'll make that disappear. Sweet. Um, that's, that's, it's just getting kind of tiresome. And I, I suspect most people are, are feeling the same way. Yeah, you're right. It was Chinese New Year. I don't know when they switched it to this. We're all supposed to suddenly know and absorb uh, folks again. Our segment, Politics This Week, he's managing editor, anchorrising.com. It is Justin Gatz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Talk to you soon. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident, go to At Med Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing, 
AtMed Urgent Care when it's an emergency. 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, that's right, in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. All right, let's get to Sunday shows. Sunday morning talk shows were inundated, obviously, with all the talk about the Biden search. So let's start off. By the way, how about this Joe Manchin on Meet the Press? He, uh, well, he's starting to sound like someone that may make a run in 24 but i want to hear this is joe manchin yesterday chuck todd meet the press um look i want to get into the debt ceiling i want to get into all this stuff but i we got some developments overnight with this classified documents um an fbi search white house said it was coordinated with the fbi but we now had an fbi search into former president trump's now we have an fbi search into president biden's residence what's your assessment uh, of how the president has handled the situation. Well, I mean, it's just hard to believe that that uh, in the United States of America we have a former president and a current president that basically in the same situation. How does this happen? You know, I'm, I, only thing I can tell you, Chuck, is when I go into the skiff with the secured documents, they always ask, "Are you clean when you walk out?" Yeah. They want to make sure you're not carrying anything out. You know, and it might be a mistake. You might just put it in your other papers, but sure. you double check right there. So that uh, to be held accountable and responsible is what we all are. And to put those in un- unsecured spaces is irresponsible. Do you see similarities or do you see more differences in how President Trump versus how President Biden I'm not going to make that it. decision, but I think that Merrick Garland did the right thing by putting a special counsel. You do. And I think that we should wait until the special counsel rather than making us a political circus. Let them find out the facts. What was one more damaging? Are they both about the same, did not cause any problem? Or is one more uh, reckless and irresponsible than the other? I can't answer that question but i think the special counsel will do a better job than the politicians and the political circus that is going to follow president biden said he had no regrets in how he handled this do you have any advice for him on how he should handle this oh i think he should have a lot of regrets yeah i would would think that i said whoever's responsible i mean if i hold people accountable and i use whether my chief of staff or my you know my uh my staff who's that we're doing this and i'm looking at then i'm going to hold someone accountable but basically the buck stops with me so you think you should be out there look i i'm I messed up. Maybe I didn't just say it. Just fall on your sword here. We're all human. We make mistakes. I can tell you, I don't think anyone intended, he sure didn't intend for it to fall in the wrong hands and use it against our country. I know they didn't intend that to happen. Could it have happened? I don't know. And, yeah, you just might as well say, listen, it's irresponsible. It was something we should have had a better check and balance on. Now, former President Trump defied a subpoena. So in that sense... The, the way each is handled. Why is he the comparison? Absolutely much yeah. different than the other ones. Why, why is, you know, on another show on ABC's This Week, they said, when did President Trump become the bar? This is where I want to play this saying that Manchin sounds like he's flirting with a 2024 uh, presidential run. This was again yesterday, the meet the press. 
Is re-election on the table? Everything's on the table. Is running for governor on the table or no? No, I, I, okay. I've done that. That I, you've ruled out. I've done that. Yeah. So everything on the table, there's basically only one other thing, the presidency. Is that something you would do outside the Democratic Party? The only thing I can tell you is what I will do is whatever I can when I make my decision, what I think is the best that I can support and represent the people of West Virginia, but also be true to this country and the constitution of this country. That sounds like something, somebody that's looking for a way into national politics. Well, you know, every senator is on a national... I understand that, but you know where I'm going. I know where you're going, and the bottom line is... is You're not telling me no. I'm telling you that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that when I make my decision, I make it based on what's best, what I think I can do to support and best for my country and my state. Huh. Mansion for president. I tell you, he's a unique individual. Without question, he is a unique individual. How about the big story about Catherine Clark now? Catherine Clark's child arrested, assaulting a police officer. It's absolutely disgraceful. Truly is. All this happened over the weekend at an Antifa protest. An Antifa protest. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Catherine Clark, third with the Dems, attacking the daughter House Minority Whip Catherine Clark. Riley Dowell, police identified as Jared. So it gets confusing, I guess, because of transitioning or whatever. That was arrested, allegedly assaulting an officer, defacing a monument. Absolute embarrassment that this is happening. Should not be happening. But, you know, she was the same one that, you know, she's anti-police and was, you know, prayers for Jacob Blake and all that other nonsense. All right, here's the uh, story on her. Let me just play this. Here we go. Right here. Right here. As Jared Dowell. In a statement, Congresswoman Clark said, I love Riley and this is a very difficult time in the cycle of joy and pain in parenting. This will be evaluated by the legal system and I am confident in that process. Later last night, Boston police arrested a second person at the same Boston Common Monument. Tonight you see some remnants of that spray paint was mostly cleaned up. We did spot that sign there that said Stop Cop City and Rest in Peace, R.I.P. Tortuguita. That references a person who authorities in Georgia say was killed by police after shooting and injuring a Georgia state trooper. The shooting happened during a protest over proposed Atlanta area police training center that activists have dubbed Cop City. Last night, there were more protests in Atlanta over the death of Tortuguita. Video shows that police crews are there on fire. Tortuguita shot a police officer. What is wrong with these people? Shot a police officer, not punched, not fought with. Shot a police officer. It is absolutely lunacy. Shot a police officer. And then did you see the protests that were going on? in Atlanta, and Antifa, and and burning a police cruiser. These people are just a disgrace. How about this top Biden advisor? Can't say how many classified documents he had in his garage, office, and home. That's not a good sign sense of how many classified documents we are now talking about total across all three locations. 
Sure, it's a good question. And, and actually, the answer to it is a little bit complicated because of this point that I'm making about the integrity of an ongoing Justice Department investigation. The Justice Department is going to be looking at all sorts of questions like that throughout their investigation. We want to be very, very careful to be respectful of the integrity of that investigation, to not speak too much about the underlying contents and materials, uh, especially things that we... Can't even say how many. All right, much more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show.